0: morning church Good morning, morning. Uh, my name is victor i'm I'm, a, I'm i'm the rookie elder here at calvary cork sorry can you hear me yeah. okay. um, so you might hear from my accent that i'm from south africa so if there is anybody that's going to struggle with my accent i apologize for that beforehand Unfortunately, uh, Joe French has been helping me with my accent, so he's been teaching me how to say things in the Irish accent. So if there's anybody here this morning who doesn't understand me or misunderstands my sermon, um, you're welcome to speak to Joe afterwards. <laughs> um, so for the past few weeks, we've been working through the book of Colossians, and um, And I think the main theme that's been running through the book of Colossians is all of Christ for all of life. So today, the section of scripture that we're going to look at deals with that all of life part, you know, the practical side of things. And um, so I've divided the sermon into three sections. The one is marriage between a husband and a wife, male and female. And the second part is about the relationship between parents and children, and specifically fathers. And the third section of the sermon will deal with um, the relationship between an employer and an employee. So the Bible's, well, this passage of scripture sets the bar quite high. So you might have heard from the reading, um, the standard is quite high. But as we go through these scriptures, I'd like you to be cognizant And I'd like you to remember, if this is the only thing you remember today, praise the Lord. And that is that in our own strength, it's impossible to keep the word of God. In our own strength, it's impossible to achieve the standard. And I think the more we try, the more we're going to fail. But the important thing I want you to remember is the day you become born again, And Jesus fills you with his Holy Spirit. He gives you the power to keep the word of God. So as we go through these scriptures, don't look at it as something that you've got to achieve and try harder to do. Look at it as an encouragement to surrender to Christ. To surrender your marriage to Christ if you're struggling with it. To surrender your children's upbringing to Christ if you're struggling with it. To surrender your work situation to Christ if there's a problem. So I think the big battle for us this morning as Christians is that part of surrendering to Christ. And I'd like you to remember that as we go through these passages of Scripture. So we just all close our eyes and we're going to pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity and this honor I have to address the church this morning. I pray that I'll be faithful to the text, and I pray for each one here this morning that um, you will bless them, and that you will open their hearts to your word, and most of all, Lord Jesus, I pray that the words of my mouth will glorify your name and bring honor to you. Amen. Okay. So, we're going to look at the first part, which is verse 18 to 19, and I'm going to read that wives submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the lord husbands love your wives and do not be bitter towards them so i believe husbands loving your wives and wives submitting to your husbands is a is the core principle in the christian life to have a blessed marriage to have an intimate marriage to have a peaceful marriage, to have the blessing of God resting upon your marriage. So there's a lot of good material out there that you can go read about marriage. There's a lot of courses, there's a lot of books you can read, and they will be beneficial. But for the Christian marriage, the core principle is husbands love your wives, wives submit to your husbands. And this phrase is repeated in Scripture more than once, it's repeated three times. And when something is repeated in the Bible more than twice or three times, we know that this is very, very important and we need to give it our attention. So um, I'd like to go to, I'd like to refer to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. So this again repeats, husbands love your wives, wives submit your husband but it goes into a bit more detail so what it does here it basically um, compares the love that Jesus has for the church to the way the husband needs to love his wife and the way that Jesus loved the church or loved us was that he died for us on the cross was sacrificial love the Greek word here for love is agape, which means a godly love. So if we go to John 3 verse 16, it says, Therefore God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that those who believe in him shall have everlasting life. That word again "therefore for love is agape, which means godly love, which means sacrificial love. So the scripture exhorts and encourages us as husbands to love our wives with a sacrificial love. And that example was given to us by Jesus who hung on the cross in public, naked, unrecognizably beaten for your sin and for my sin. So that is the powerful love that Jesus had for us, and that's the kind of love we need to show towards our wives. So just going to turn over. Um, okay, just coming here with a quick story. Many years ago, I had my, had my own business. I had a few lads working for me. And, um, you know, being a young guy, and um, I suffered from a syndrome called the boss syndrome, you know. <laughs> so at work, it was my way or the highway, you know. And then unfortunately, what you tend to do... Um, you take, you take that syndrome and you take it into your house, you know, and that's not always good for your marriage or for your children. And, um, but fortunately, the Lord is good, the Lord is faithful, and the Lord dealt with me in a, in a very good way. So I was having my quiet time one morning, and, um, and the Lord showed me a, like a picture of uh, Jesus washing his disciples' feet. And at that stage, those 12 men represented the church. They represented the bride of Christ. They represented Jesus' wife. And if you look at scripture and you understand the Jewish tradition around marriage and becoming engaged, what Jesus was doing during that time, his actions were paralleling a bridegroom, getting engaged to a bride. And this is a whole sermon on its own, and we haven't got time to go through that, but just take my word for it. And um, so what I saw there, I saw that Jesus went down on his knees and he washed his wife's feet. He washed those 12 men's feet who represented the church. And this hit me like a ton of bricks. Oof, you know. I sat there and I realized i 've got some serious repenting to do you know i 've got, got to surrender to the Lord in this part of my life, um, and also just a quick one, if we understand the traditions in those time, um, the lowest servant in the house would go and wash the feet, and Jesus did that for his bride, for the church, his wife so um, so, I brought this before the Lord, I surrendered to Christ, and you're all welcome to ask my wife at the back there, <laughs> if there's fruit in my life as regards to this. Um, and then, the next part of the word, verse says that, it says, husbands, don't grow bitter towards your wives. And I think, you know, this is something which happens a lot. Um, it happens in, in worldly marriages. Well, Sorry, I've got my stopwatch on, and I'm just trying to tie myself. Sorry about that. So, um, so just where was I? Yeah, so, so husbands um, tend to, yeah. So, so there's many reasons why husbands uh, could grow bitter towards their wives. And today I just want to focus on one reason. So, and I'm speaking for myself as well, so don't worry. Um, so, Many times as husbands, we have, um, we have expectations of our wives. You know, we want them to cook like our moms. We want them to cook like a cordon bleu chef. We want them to manage the home. We want them to manage the children. You know, and then we want them to hold down a job as well. You know, and then when they don't get it quite right, you know, we sort of get angry with them. And you know, they haven't done what they're supposed to do. You know, and, then, and then cruel words. Many times we speak cruel words to them or we speak nasty words for them. You know, we say things that, that aren't good. And, um, and, and I think the answer for us lies in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, as men. And I'm going to read that. It says, Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, cause trouble, And by this, many become defiled." So as a husband, you know, when we have bitterness in our hearts towards our wives, and that sort of maybe comes over a period of time, we're gonna start falling from grace. And as Christians, we need grace in our lives every day. I know, I need it. And um, so my encouragement to men is that, or husbands, is instead of becoming bitter towards your wife, Show her grace. You know, if you come home and she's burnt to supper, or you come home and the house looks like an atom bomb has gone through it, <laughs> just show her grace. Just show her grace. Because I know I stuff up all the time, and Jesus shows me grace. Every single day, Jesus shows me grace. So my encouragement to a husband is, you know, it's very easy to come home and things are not right, and it's just you give out to your wife you know, but show her grace as Jesus showed you grace so that's my encouragement to you um, and then just another thing, don't go to bed angry with each other you know, if in the day your wife's given out to you and you've given out to her and you climb into bed that night, don't be angry with each other, sort it out before you put your head down on the pillow forgive her wives, forgive your husband Pray together. Sort it out. So when that night, when you both put your heads on the pillow, that there's peace in your home, the peace of the Lord will rest on your home. So don't, you know, so don't let, and, and don't let it continue. You know, you go to bed with bitterness and anger in your heart towards your spouse, and the next morning you get up and it's still there and it's festering. And it's festering and you let it run and you let it run. Sort it out the same day. And that's my encouragement to you. So let's go to the next part. Wives, submit to your husband. So The first thing I want to say is this doesn't mean that the wife is of less value because she has to submit to her husband. To me, in God's eyes, the husband and the wife are of equal value in God's eyes. But this scripture is about function. So the husband's function is to lead the family. The wife's function, and she's got a lot of functions, is to follow that lead. And remember, leading or following doesn't make you inferior. In God's eyes, we're all the same. But it's a question of function. So let's look at a quick example. I'm going to use bicycles. So you get get mountain bikes and you get road bikes. And a mountain bike is designed... And its function is to go over rocky terrain, to go through the woods, and and the wheels might have been designed to be a bit fatter, and the frame is a bit stronger. That's its design, that's its function. Then you've got road bikes. So road bikes are designed to go on a smooth surface like the floor here, and the wheels might be thinner, and and the frame might be a little less stronger. But at the end of the day, both of these have got the same value. You can go to a bicycle shop and you can go check or you can go online. But they've both got the same value, but they've got different functions. And their functions don't make the one better than the other one. That is just they've been designed for that function. So that's the way God has designed it and made it to happen in marriage. All right. Okay. And just a a quick side note there uh, about wives having to submit to their husbands. And unfortunately, in society, um, there is abuse. And um, as a church, um, it's obviously wrong. And if there's anybody in a marriage relationship that feels they're being abused, and you're a Christian couple, we advise you to come to the elders. And then we will try and counsel and minister to that person which is abusing. And, um, and if that avenue is exhausted, we encourage you then to come to the elders and we will assist you then to go to the authorities. You know, whether it's uh, the police, or sorry, the guards, like uh, <laughs> Joe was teaching me, the guards. Um, so yeah, or, or, to the, you know, or to the necessary authorities. Because at the end of the day, abuse is wrong. And it's, uh, and it's a sin, and God hates sin, you know, so, so, so that's what it is. Um, okay, so just on the issue of submission, I just want to tell you another quick story. I'm going to be full of stories today. Um, so when we moved to South Africa from Ireland, we were a family of six, and we got, a you know, with a housing crisis, we got a small place to live in, and then COVID came, and then lockdowns came, and then we were all climbing up the walls, and we were going nuts because of the lack of space, you know. And um, so then we started to pray and ask the Lord to provide us with a bigger place to stay. And then we started looking, and six months later we got a viewing. And me and my wife were very excited. Um, we went to look at the place. The place wasn't a lot bigger. It had one extra room, and it needed a lot of attention. So... We went home that night, sat down with my wife, and we discussed this. But as we were talking about it, I, I felt that we shouldn't take the place. But my wife was obviously a lot more desperate than me because she was at home every day with the kids and I could go in the mornings and go to work, you know, and get a bit of an escape. But we, you know, so we were at a stalemate. My wife said this and I said this. You know, so what did we do? So, so afterwards she told me, that she prayed. She asked the Lord, what must she do? And she said, the Lord clearly impressed upon her heart that she needs to submit to me. And she did. And miraculously, the house didn't increase. <laughs> the size of the house didn't get better. And, um, and it, you know, it got more and more difficult at home. And then she phoned me the one day at work and said, and said to me that, you know, this is really tough. The, the way we're living and we should consider maybe start talking about going back to South Africa and I was like my heart just dropped to the soles of my feet I just said no ways Lord I can't do that you know I don't want to go back to South Africa I just can't go back to South Africa I just said do no ways walked out of my office and I just cried out to the Lord I just said Lord please please I can't do this I just can't do this you please you, you know you have to come through for us And five minutes later, somebody phoned me. And a guy phoned me that I used to work with. Um, I think he knows everybody in Ireland, by the way. (laughs) And um, he said to me, Victor, there's a place in the country um, that you can, and it's available, and you guys can move there if you want to. You know, the, the owner's looking for somebody, and wow, praise the Lord. He provided, he came through for us. We got the place, and we've been living there for a year. You know, so it was really, really great. But you know, in that case... You know, I don't want to say I got it right, but, you know, I pulled rank on my wife and I made a decision and it worked out. Thank you, Lord. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, but sometimes it doesn't work out. You know, it doesn't work out. The husband's going to maybe pull rank and he's going to make a decision and it's going to be a complete and absolute flop. You know? So my encouragement to the wives is... Show them grace. (laughs) As I've encouraged the husbands to show their wives grace, now I'm encouraging the wives to show your husbands grace. Look, we're not always going to get it right. I'm going to get it wrong most of the time. But, you know, so... And then support him. You know, pray for him. If he hasn't made the right decision, support him, pray for him. Show him that grace. Okay. Um, So... I just want to end off this section with the following thought. No woman deserves a man to sacrificially love her. No man deserves a woman to submit to her. But because of my relationship with Jesus Christ, and because of what Jesus Christ has done for me, I endeavor to sacrificially love my wife and put her interests above my interests as Jesus loved the church and I'm speaking on behalf of my wife and she said I could because of my wife's relationship with Jesus Christ and because of what Jesus did for my wife she endeavors to submit to me, like the church, submits to Christ. And brothers and sisters, if you want a marriage that is blessed, if you want a marriage that is peaceful and intimate, I encourage you this morning, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands as the church submits to Christ. And if you want people to look at your marriage and ask you, what's so special about your marriage? What is so special about your marriage? You and your wife get along like a house on fire. I mean, in a good way. You know what I mean? And, and we can just see love and connection. And, and it shows in the children. It, you know, it shows in the children. When the husband and wife's relationship is doing well, it shows in the kids. Then you can turn around and say, Not because of me, not because of my wife, it's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. My encouragement to you this morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, God wants to bless your marriage. God wants to give you a good marriage. But we need to follow the principles in Scripture. All right, I'm gonna go a bit past my time. So the second section that we're gonna talk about is about parenting. So I'm going to read verse 20 and 21. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. So I think a while ago, Brandon and Ernie True did a course on parenting. So if you went to that course, you would have benefited greatly from it. And once again, there's a lot of good material out there about parenting <laughs> And raising children um, but you know we, we're going to look at, at scripture this morning and um, and what it says so I believe the Bible says that all men are born in sin and unfortunately our children are also born in sin sometimes we don't think so we think they're the cutest things under the sun I know I do and um, and but the reality is our children are born in sin um, and, and the Bible says that there is nothing good in our flesh. So we don't take our children, send them to school to teach them how to be disobedient. We don't send our kids to college and the college professor teaches them how to be disobedient, to lie, to steal, or do, or, or do wrong things. So that's naturally inside of children. And as parents, our responsibility is to train them up in the ways of the Lord, and part of their training is to, train them to be diso- is to train them to be obedient. Sorry, I nearly slipped up there. <laughs> is to train them to be obedient. Okay? So we need to... And that's first-time obedience. So when you as a father or mother speak, they need to obey what you're saying the first time. And, and, and there's a fantastic promise to parents and to children if we get this right. So Ephesians... 6 verse 1 to 3 says children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right to honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and you might live a long life so if we can proactively train our children to be obedient is a excuse me fantastic blessing for them and the two blessings are it'll be well with them and they will live a long life And I think as parents, you know, we want what's best for our kids. You know, we want what's best for our children. And if we can train them from a young age to be obedient, this blessing is going to be their part. So I'm encouraging you parents to train your children up in the ways they need to go. So let's look at uh, two examples, two practical examples. Um, So mom walks into the house and Johnny's room is dirty. She says, Johnny, clean your room. And Johnny goes, oh, gee, Mom, I don't really feel like it. So in that situation, two things can happen. Mom can capitulate and say to Johnny, oh, it's all right, Johnny, you can clean it later. And what she's doing is she's training disobedience into Johnny. You know, because Johnny can see, like, I don't need to listen to my parents the first time. And then then the next day... Something similar happens, and mom capitulates, and Johnny gets away with it. He's not listening the first time. And then so what's happening, mom is training disobedience into Johnny's life. Then all of a sudden, one day, Johnny's become completely unmanageable. In his teenage years, you know, you go out into public, and Johnny's just embarrassing you all the time, and you don't know what's going on. Let's look at... So what Mom should have done in this situation is when Johnny didn't listen the first time, Mom had to give him consequences. First time. Johnny didn't listen. there's the consequences. And then the next and then Mom won the battle. And the next day, similar things happened, and then Mom gives Johnny consequences the first time. Mom wins the battle, and so Mom starts training obedience into johnny's life and the blessing of the lord comes onto johnny praise the lord that's what we want as christians let's look at another example so um susie's walking on the wall and dad says susie climb off the wall and susie gets this defiant look on her face and she's looking at dad and dad says susie he makes his voice louder susie if you don't, I'm going to count to three. And if you don't climb off this wall, there's going to be trouble. And, and dad engages the longest three count in history. <laughs> one, one and a half, one and a three quarter. And then, eventually, Susie climbs off the wall. But actually, Susie was asking for consequences. She was asking for boundaries. And in that situation, dad, was supposed to give her those boundaries and those consequences. And then dad would have trained Susie um, up in the ways of the Lord, and that blessing, that fantastic blessing, would become Susie's part. So parents, I encourage you to train your children up in the ways of the Lord. Um, so I'd just like to read another two scriptures, it's Luke 1 verse 17 and Malachi 4, 4 verse 6. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Malachi 4 verse 6. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So these two verses are primarily about the coming of John the Baptist. But there's a couple of interesting things here, and it deals with the hearts of the fathers and the hearts of the children, and that the hearts of the fathers and the children need to connect. Now in Luke 1 verse 7, that word, the hearts of the fathers, uh, to the children is, is the Greek word epi which means over. So, like if I put something over something, it's a form of protection. So, fathers, God wants you to protect your families. He wants you to protect your family spiritually. He wants you to protect your family, families physically. He wants you to be over your children. He wants you to be over your homes under Jesus. Um, so it's another quick story I was sitting on the couch reading my middle daughter a Bible story and, um, and I was reading to her and she looked up to me and she asked me this very challenging questions like children have the knack to do and she said to me dad is God like a daddy and that hit me like a ton of bricks I have those moments a lot and um, do you know when you have a near death experience I hope nobody in the church has had one <laughs> You know, sort of, your, sort of your life just flashes by your eyes. Your life just flashes past you and you see everything you've done, like all in slow motion. So when my daughter asked me that question, my whole parenting life just <laughs> flashed before my eyes and it all happened in slow motion. And I was like, you know, and I was like, <coughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and, um, you know, and I like said to her, and I just gave her like a very sheepish answer. I said, I said, you know, um, you know, daddies don't always do things right and they don't always say the right things. And, but you know, God, God is the perfect daddy. God is the best daddy to have, you know? And that's how I got out of that one. <laughs> so um, here's a quote that I'd like to put up. It's from a guy called uh, Dion H. Glover. And it's, it's a simple quote. The turning of the father's hearts to the children means that the father will want to have the children near him and touch them both being near and touch convey the message of love and acceptance to the children A father represents god to his children so it's quite a responsibility guys but remember jesus is there to empower you he's there to empower you um so when children are born the parents generally have their hearts you know mom gave birth to the child um, you know dad and mom clothe them feed them care for them especially when they can't do it for themselves but then as they get older satan then zooms in on your child and he wants your child's heart satan then wants to try and steal your child's heart away from you and gain it for himself and he uses many different methods for that he uses bad parenting he uses friends He uses some family members. He uses the world. He uses Sim and he uses media. You know. And if you've got older kids and they've got a device, I encourage you to find out what's happening on that device. You know, put an accountability app on that. So that you as a parent know what's going on there. Because in the modern times that we're living in, this has become a reality. Um, you know, t- children will spend hours on, on, on some d- device, especially if they're in high school. And you as a parent don't know what's going on there. My encouragement is find out what's going on there and, um, and protect them from Satan stealing your child's heart under your nose in your own home. So the battle is on for your child's heart. And God wants you to have your child's heart. He wants you to have it as a parent. But Satan doesn't want that. Because if you have your child's heart, you can influence them. You can raise them up in the ways of the Lord. And then, just to end this section off, um, it says here... I I must just find it, sorry. Um, Yeah. So it says at the end of Luke 1 verse 17 that God... So that it's, it's about... When the hearts of the fathers turn to the children, we are preparing a people to receive the Lord. So I believe if you as a parent or a father have your child's heart, and that child is used to having his heart connected to an earthly father figure, then the day the child becomes born again, and the day the child surrenders his life to Christ, that transition from the earthly father to the heavenly father is so much easier. And then as an earthly father, if we have our child's heart and, and we are training the child up in the ways of the Lord, um, that transition is going to be so much easier. So that's my encouragement. Parents, prepare your children's hearts to receive Jesus one day. Because I know in my own life, you know, it's important for your children to have good jobs one day and find a decent husband or a wife. And, and you know, and, and you've, got these, you've got these desires which are good for your children. But as a parent, as a Christian parent, I know the most important thing for me is, is for my children to be saved. You know, that, that's what I, I most, that's the most thing I want. You know, if my children turn out to be, like, have a very menial job and, you know, don't achieve much in life, That isn't so important. What I want is for my children to be saved. And every time I pray for my children, that's the first thing I pray for. Jesus, save my my son. Save my daughter. Save my daughter. Save my daughter, please. Because I think that's what we want as Christians. As parents, we want our children to be saved. So, okay. Okay, so... We're going on to the third section here. Um, I'm going to read that. It's about the workplace. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleases, but in sincerity of heart fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that From the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who who does wrong will be repaid for what is done, and there's no partiality. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So um, this passage of Scripture mainly deals with the relationship between a master and a slave. Okay, the Greek word there is the Greek word dolos, for servant, and that means slave. So, fortunately, slavery's been abolished. And that slavery being abolished was done by Christians. And we can praise God for that. And, um, and Mike brought a sermon a while ago as regards to slavery and the ins and outs of it. So if you're interested in that and you want to know what the Bible says about it, you can go online and find his sermon. Um, So what can we learn from this as Christians? Because, you know, we aren't slaves today. And the passage of Scripture is addressing master and slaves. But there's a lot we can learn from it. One of the things that we can learn from it it goes about our work ethic. Um, So... As Christians, the Bible expects us to work as unto the Lord. So if you're working in a company and you're working from 8 to 5 or from 9 to 5, what God expects from us is to have a good work ethic. And God expects us to work as unto Him. So yes, we're working for somebody, working for a company, and we're getting paid. But as a Christian, it's different. So when you are sitting there in your office or you're doing some kind of a menial job, you must have in the back of your mind that I'm doing this for Jesus. And your boss might not reward you for the extra effort you've put in. And and people might not acknowledge the extra effort you've put in, in a financial way, or just coming to you and saying, well done. But God sees that. God sees what you're doing, and God will reward you for that. You know, many times we are working on a job, and it's, you know, and you put in all the effort, you put in all the hours, um, you come up with all the good ideas and someone else gets the credit. That's a terrible thing that happens, but it happens. So, but God sees that. As a Christian, God sees that. And, and, And He wants you to do what you do in the workplace as unto Him. And God's not so much interested in your job title or in the amount of money you earn. What the passage of Scripture is telling us is that God says we must work as unto Him. As unto Him. God's interested in your work ethic. God's interested in your, in, your, in your testimony that you have in the workplace. That's what He's interested in. You know, you could be the MD of a blue chip company, or you could just be a guy doing a menial job. But God's not interested in your title. He's interested in your work ethic, and He's interested in your testimony in the workplace. And oh, no. last story, guys, last story. Um, so, so many years ago, I was working in Botswana, and I was a subcontractor for a main contractor, and he would pay me on a monthly basis, and I would pay the guys that worked for me. And um, the company was unfortunately a bit unethical, and the one month, they just refused to pay us. You know, as so we worked the whole month, they just refused to pay us. So I got on the phone, and I phoned the MD, and I gave, him a, I gave out to him, gave him a piece of my mind, which wasn't very Christian, and he gave me a piece of his mind, and he gave out to me, you know, slammed the phone down, walked out, very upset. I was out of pocket, I was out of a job, and I paid the guys that worked for me out of my own pocket. And I went home that night and I was just like very disappointed. You know, I felt done in, I felt that, you know, how could this guy do this to us? And then, so I prayed that evening. And the Lord clearly showed me I need to keep working. I just need to keep working. It sounds funny. I just need to keep working. And it's based on the principle, the book of Thessalonians, it says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. You know? And, you know, the temptation there is to go to bed that night, sleep late, and just moan, you know, moan and say, oh, this guy treated me badly, and oh, you know, this guy and this guy and whatever. But what the Lord showed me as a Christian I need to keep going." So there was a, a brother in the fellowship who lived um, in a clay hut and he had uh, a thatched roof and he needed to put up a fence around his yard, he had chickens there and they were getting out. So I contacted him and said, look, tomorrow morning I want to come and help you work on your fence. And, um, and I wasn't obviously I wasn't going to get paid for it. So I got up the next morning like I would be going to work. And I I grabbed some tools, I went to his place, and we started erecting the fence. And while I was doing that, I knew, like, the principle is, you just got to keep working, you know? And God will bless you if you're faithful in that. So I was planting poles, pulling wire, making sure the chickens don't get out. And um, and then that afternoon, I, I got contacted. There was a company that was looking for a site manager. I went for the interview the next morning, and I got a job. Praise the Lord. You know, so um, so, I, I, so 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 God is extremely faithful when it comes to this, and um, and so I can just encourage you that you know if you have problems in your job, turn to the Lord; He'll meet you there and He'll work things out for you. Um, okay, I'm nearly there, guys. I'm nearly there. Um, so. And then the last verse goes about people which are um, managers or their own businesses and they've got people who work for them as Christians. And the Bible says you need to be just and fair. And if you're a Christian and you're a line manager working in a company and you've got people who report to you or you own your own business, there's an opportunity for you to reach those people for Christ. But the foundation that you need to start with is to be just and fair. Treat those people who report to you, treat those people that work for you justly and fairly. Then from that position, you can reach them for Christ. And I've been in a position, I've been fortunately in a position where I've had people report to me and, and I've had people work for me. And, 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 and there has people have come to Christ because, because, because through God's grace and God's empowering I was able to be just and fair to them. And then my position of influence, I had opportunities to share the gospel with them. And um, and people got saved. So, so that's an encouragement if you're in the workplace. If you own a business or you, you're a line manager, be just and fair. And out of that position, you can reach people for Christ. So in conclusion, um, we looked at three... Relationships today, marriage between a husband and wife, parents and children, and we looked at employee employee relationships. So the Bible sets the bar quite high, and what I started with, I'd like to end off with, and that is in our own strength, it's impossible to achieve that standard. But through the power of Jesus, And that power that rose Jesus Christ out of the grave, that resurrection power becomes your part the day you surrender to Christ and become born again. And that power works in your life. And it breaks the chains, sets you free from darkness, and empowers you to live a godly life so that you can be a testimony to people out there and bring them to Christ and draw them to Christ. So there's a a prayer team at the back. And if anybody needs prayer for their marriage, I encourage you to go to the back so that the prayer team can pray for you. If there's anybody that's struggling with raising their kids, that's a tough one. There's a prayer team at the back that'll pray for you. If there's anybody that's got problems at work, there's a prayer team at the back that is waiting and willing to pray for you. My last encouragement here this morning, if there's anybody here that's unsaved, if there's anybody here this morning who hasn't given their lives to a Jesus, I encourage you. I encourage you to go to the prayer team at the back and they will pray for you. That's the most important decision that, you could, that you'll ever make in your life is to follow Jesus Christ. And even though you might have heard my voice, my voice droning in the background and reading things out of the Bible, God's been talking to you in your heart. Been talking to you in your heart this morning. And he's knocking. He's knocking on the door of your heart. And he wants you to open. Because he wants to come inside. And he wants to fill your heart with his love. And he wants to save you. He wants to save you from your sin, from your brokenness. He wants to save you from your past. He wants to give you a new beginning. So please, if I could go on my knees this morning. I beg you, if Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart, please respond this morning. And there's a prayer team waiting for you at the back. Praise the Lord. That's the end of my sermon. I just want to pray. (laughs) Thanks. I just want to pray quickly. I'm supposed to pray at the end of the sermon. So if we can just all close our eyes. Um, Lord Jesus, I pray for every single marriage in this church. I pray that you will bless every marriage with your peace. I pray that the husbands will love their wives as you love the church. I pray that the wives will submit to their husband as the church submitted to Christ, submits to Christ. Lord, I pray that your peace will rest on these marriages, that you will bless them. I pray for the children in the church. I pray for the parents in the church that you will bless them in the name of Jesus. Please give the parents wisdom to raise the children in the ways of the Lord. Lord, I pray for, I pray for people who have the privilege to be able to go out and earn a living. Lord, I pray that you will bless them in their work. I pray that they will have a, a good work ethic and that when they do their work, that it will be as unto you. And Lord Jesus, I pray most of all that you will empower us through your Holy Spirit to be able to do these things and that your name will be glorified in our lives, in our families and in our church. Praise your name. Amen.